The Hoop Collective is brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. And before we get started with today's show, I wanted to tell you about another great ESPN podcast, The Low Post. Get the inside scoop on all the biggest NBA news as the biggest names in the game. Join ESPN Zach Lowe, featuring in-depth conversations, breaking news reaction and analysis, and coverage of the biggest events on the NBA calendar. The playoffs are finally here, so be sure to check it out. Follow The Low Post as well as The Hoop Collective wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, and if you're looking for a world-class soccer, ESPN Plus is where to find it. The best teams, the biggest stars, and over 20 international leagues and tournaments. Serie A, Bundesliga, MLS, FA Cup, Copa del Rey, and more. Sign up now at ESPNplus.com. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing late on Monday night. It's Tuesday morning, East Coast time. The Jazz have just defeated the Grizzlies. But you know what? For the first time, let me let me get up my fingers here. 12, 13. For the first time in 15 months, I am in Los Angeles, California on ESPN Business. Was in the L.A. studios today. There was almost nobody else in there to do some sports center. But I am happy to be back. It was when I saw Staples Center today. It was a sight for sore eyes. Oh and, man! Did and, you cry? No, I didn't cry. <laughs> it wasn't that the eyes weren't that sore? But oh. two guys who are in LA with me right now—that's Mark Spears, who's going to be here going to the Clippers Mavericks uh, on Wednesday, Game Five in that series. What's up, Spears? What's happening, man? What, what did you do for fun? Nothing. I, mean, I worked. Yeah, it like was, a dog there was a all restaurant that you wanted to go to, or no, the restaurant <laughs> beach. No, no, but it was just nice to be here. It's just nice to be back. I mean, I I came to L.A. twice a month, like ten or eleven months a year for like four years to do the jump. You know, especially when it yeah. came a year round show. So this this place, this hotel where I'm staying, I stayed fifty nights a year. Oh, also joining us, Om Young Masuk. Hey, Alm, I didn't want to leave you out. No, what's up? What's up? So I know we talk about the NBA, and I, I want to stick with that. But, um, you know, like routinely coming to Los Angeles was, was part of my life for a long time. And knowing the people here, this is my second home, not just the, you know, the people at ESPN, but the people in the hotel and stuff like that. So, so now you're like a, a gold member, huh? You like your status. <laughs> I think yeah, it's well. a little above gold. Uh, wow. it, it must, you know, the thing is you're seeing LA as, as it's finally starting to open up a little bit. I think LA, we're about two weeks away from a full open everything, I think. Uh, but Wendy, uh, you would not recognize Los Angeles had you just even been here maybe like a month or two ago, because it's just everything from what I hear compared to the rest of the country. Uh, Los Angeles is still pretty strict. Well, LAX was a mess, so I felt right at home. <laughs> um, so, KK, so so Spears, Olm and I covered, I'm putting in quotes, covered. It still feels weird. I mean, this is what we do, but we covered the Philly-Washington uh, game tonight. Um, 
which was an eventful game, but not in a good way. Yeah. Um, Joel Embiid got hurt, which we'll talk about in a second. And then, I mean, Olm and I are communicating. I'm watching the game. I'm communicating with our desk back in Connecticut. I'm, you know, I'm putting together a story about how Joel Embiid get, gets hurt. And all of a sudden, a fan is on the freaking court. And <laughs> I mean, look. I think this is, I, I don't even, this is pretty simple. The players have to be protected. I don't think there's much other, to, I don't think there's much else to say that needs to be said other, other than that. The players got to be protected. And this dude, he was somewhere up in the stands and came running down the, like, he probably came down the, the, on the camera angle that I saw. He came probably down at least. 15 or 20 rows full head of steam and went right through the first, like three rows of courtside seats out onto the court, ran up and jumped and slapped the back, slapped the backboard before, uh, cause they, they were, the, the game was being played was at the other end of the court, but it was live gameplay. The game was going on and this guy runs down and slaps the backboard and then he gets tackled by a security guard, but he Very made a nice it. tackle. It was, yeah, it was, pff. You got to play for LSU, right, Spears? You're a tiger. <laughs> Spears, he got down there too easy. He's got to, yeah. got to protect these dudes. Got to but, protect them. Well, I mean, but how do you stop that? Like, like, because because it, it's basically somebody who, as you said, was running full speed. By the time they noticed it, it was too late. Like, there's no gymnasts and there's no. You know, track stars that are like that's why it was amazing that that cop was able to tackle him. Like, he, like he, he did get him quick. They did get, yeah, him but quick. like I don't, I don't know how you stop that unless you go. We go to the old school European basketball leagues of the nineteen eighties when they used to put a cage around the court. Well, I mean the t- the two arenas I've spent my most time in since I've been covering the NBA in mid nineties, Madison Square Garden and Staples Center. They have guards and ushers normally everywhere in every almost every aisle, but not all arenas work that way. Certainly, Washington doesn't work that way. Um, so it's fortunate that I bet they do now. Yeah, it's fortunate that guy reacted quickly. I mean, I do think, and to Bradley Beal's point and Russell Westbrook's point after what they said tonight after the game, every the league has to take a, a real hard look at every arena and how the security is done. Now, listen, I don't like it at MSG. And Staples, but particularly MSG, is pretty oppressive the way the guards are. I mean, the media, you can't even walk in certain areas without basically getting harassed and grilled uh, by security. But perhaps that may- maybe that's the way it has to be now. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just, a, it's just a fad, like a fad in a bad way. Like this guy, yeah. you know, I mean, I mean, stuff has happened at football stadiums over the years, mostly stuff getting thrown. But there's Spears, there's an implicit trust in the NBA because there's people sitting on the court. Yeah. Players come over and stand one foot from them. And and the and the, the social contract is you're gonna have you're gonna be so close to the game at the highest level, and the social contract is you stay in your seat, keep your hands to yourself. Yeah, you know, I, I remember Kevin Garnett and you and 
when he first got to Boston and the the fans sitting courtside sending complaints to the Celtics about how much he cursed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and the Celtics are like, well, what are we supposed to do? What can we do? There's nothing we could do. That's, you know, you pay for that seat. That's what you get. You know, you want to be that close. But the same token, they think because they pay for that seat that they're a part of the action. Which, you know, I, I actually, the one that might have been the most disturbing to me was a guy, like, in the second or third row trying to spit on on um, Trey. Like, to to spit out of your mouth at a player. Like, it, it just, that that's disgusting. That's absolutely disgusting. And... To be able to reach Trey, you had a thousand dollar seat. That ain't a cheap seat from where they were. So, I, I, I think that the only way to stop it is to do what Boston did. Like that dude's life suddenly, that twenty twenty year one year old throws this bottle at Kyrie Irving, and now he's in jail, and he could face ten years. Yeah, I mean Scott like, Brooks. I, I don't want that guy tonight. to get 10 years, you know, but I mean, it, it, go ahead and own. I mean, not to interrupt, Spearsy, but Scott Brooks brought up a great point tonight. He basically was like, if you don't prosecute these guys, yeah. if there isn't like a facial recognition, like you can say you banned someone from yeah, life, yeah, but he was like, but he was like, a dude can grow a beard, put on a hat and yeah. try and come back a, and buy a ticket in the secondary market, try to come the back next, in and how you stop game. him, right? And so he was like, these people have to be prosecuted, like defend themselves in court because otherwise what's going to prevent this behavior? And like, look, Spears, Wendy, we've seen bad behavior from fans over the years. I mean, I particularly remember two incidences that stick out to me forever. One was Mark, the old Market Square Arena, Knicks Pacers playoffs, Larry Johnson's walking out to the tunnel and he has beer dumped on him. Uh, you know, at halftime by by fans as he's walking back into the tunnel. And and of course, the Nick Nick players were hearing, you know, much worse things like the N word, things like that. Uh, Boston Garden, um, I think when the when the New Jersey Nets was there for the Eastern Conference Finals and Jason Kidd, obviously, with his domestic abuse incident, you know, all of Boston had basically his mug shot up, but they were just you know, yelling such vile things at him that he could not bring his family to the arena. He feared for their safety. That became like a huge story in New York at the time. I remember even Bob Ryan wrote a column about about Jumana Kid and like basically how it just kind of became this huge deal. But what I think what we're seeing now, it's weird. And, and like Robin Lopez kind of touched on it. And th- this was kind of my theory was that it, what we've seen in recent weeks, I think to me is that just a lot of fans have forgotten how to act now that they're back out after a year, year plus in basically Robin, Robin Lopez called it like, it's like they look like they've been in captivity and now they've been set free and now they're acting a little crazy because of the pandemic. Maybe that's the case, but I do think like the league is going to have to figure out what, how to move forward. And I do think there's going to be harsher sanctions for guys. Like you said, spiritually, we don't want to see anybody go to jail, but you yeah. also can't throw a water bottle that had that connected yeah. to Kyrie Irving. Who knows what would have happened? Yeah. Now let me ask you this: Do you think, and I, I definitely want to hear Wendy's response on this, that the Kyrie incident is different than the other two? 
I, I, you know, there's nuance to all of them. Like this guy today didn't have anything to do with the players. He didn't go, I yeah. mean, relatively. You know what it reminds speaking. me of, Brian? It reminds me of like when we were kids and you'd be watching a football game and some dude would be like streaking. Like, like this one was just like silly, odd. Like he went and grabbed the rim and like we used to see stuff like that all the time uh, during our youth and to the point where, TV like just stopped showing it and the announcer be like, "Oh right. yeah." Well, they didn't. Like they didn't show year. the replay on TNT. Yeah, I had to go looking for it. Um, I was they, actually surprised they showed as much as they did. Before right. They so, zoomed out. So like, there, there's nuance to all this. Like, yeah. I think it's worse to spit on somebody than throw popcorn on somebody. Right. Yeah. I think it's worse to throw a full bottle of water that could actually do some damage as opposed to what this guy did today. But it was obviously this was today was more breaking of decorum because he was physically down on the court. I mean, throwing the bottle of water, this guy didn't even care about the, but he was just drunk and whatever. Yeah. But my thing is it doesn't, it's not even much. I mean, we've already discussed it too much because it just can't happen. The one thing I'll say is, and this is what, I think if you're the league, this is what you're worried about. Damian Lillard said this. And he said, I think it was on Twitter, he said, they, meaning the the uh, the fan, basically, is going to keep doing this till they get what they want. Another malice? I mean, I don't know. I hope that, the, I mean, that's, I think that's, I don't think if he means like that kind of brawl, but you know, Basically, he was saying is that they are baiting the player, players, to get the player to react, and then you're going to have a real thing. And I think out of everything that I've said, even though it is, that is very, like, upsetting, it's probably yeah. the most relevant thing that I've seen. But do you, do you think the players now have a harder time with it? Then or and, and look, maybe our seats just aren't as good as they used to be when we all started covering the league twenty years ago, twenty plus years ago. But I don't man, there were some hecklers that were real cold blooded. <laughs> like, oh man during our early years, man. Man, I'm gonna tell you exist now. Like there was a what, guy there was a guy in Cleveland who used to say some awful stuff to Paul Pierce. I'm not even going to say what he said because even 18 years later, it's upsetting. Yeah. Referencing, you remember when Paul Pierce got stabbed? Yeah. Yeah. And that guy, he had seats in the first three rows and he came to every game. And I don't remember him heckling other players, but for some reason, Paul Pierce. And he said to him year after year, I mean, for a few years, um, so, yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, uh, Wendy, remember, Spears remembers this. Uh, when the Celtics came to New Jersey, there was a fan who made a sign that said, will someone please stab Paul Pierce? That was a huge deal, I remember oh, that. Yeah, yeah. and, you know, like, the, the days of Robin Ficker, I don't even know if, oh, yeah. if anybody of our audience will remember that guy, but he was a famous yeah. fan for the Washington Bullets who was an actual lawyer, he was an attorney, and he would just stand behind the visitor's <laughs> bench he and was literally... Good, Heckle, Michael Jordan, the entire like game. 
you know? Yeah. He would um, read he read Jordan rules during the game, <laughs> like the book. <laughs> he was funny. There's uh, a guy named Mark Anthony Jones in um Golden Golden State. And the Warriors actually weeded him out and changed his seat because he would trash talk the players like a dude would trash talk somebody on the playground. And he was really, really good at it. I know the man really well. Shout out to Mark Anthony. Anyways, there was one game where when we used to have good seats on the baseline, he was heckling Vashon Leonard and the Warriors (laughs) were winning. And Vashon Leonard was so pissed at this fan that he scored 28 in a quarter and the Nuggets never looked back. And the Warriors players <laughs> were mad at the fan because it had he had an alternate effect on. Like he fired up a sleeping, I guess, giant that the night. Spike, the Spike Lee effect. <laughs> well, Clipper, yeah. Clipper Daryl, the famous Clipper fan who leads chance. Yeah. He, when a guy goes to the foul line, will say, you G-L-Y, you ain't got no alibi, you ugly, stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, so, you know, it's sort of lighthearted. But that was, you know, that was then, this is now. But um, what I'm worried but what, about. But, but, but let me let me tell you about the most mean-spirited thing. I, right. I mean, it, it goes back to Boston. But I remember, and you guys were there. You probably don't even remember this. Lakers, Celtics. I think it might have been 2010. Lamar Odom's on the line, and the crowd is chanting, ugly sister, <laughs> because he was dating Khloe Kardashian at the time, which was absolutely, like, horrible, man, to do that to him, to enter her. Khloe was around Cleveland um, because she was with, she, she still is with Tristan Thompson. Yeah. And I'm not saying that I like hung out with her, but had, but a, few, had a few interactions with her and found her to be nothing but lovely. And I'm sure she wasn't thrilled on being in Cleveland, but I found her to be lovely. And everybody in Cleveland, I think, and I, I don't want to speak for everybody, but a lot of people in Cleveland who were around the team felt she was too. Um, but uh, <laughs> I need more Windhorse Kardashian stories. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, it just it's it's just funny who you like I don't I don't know if Spears was there, but there was during the finals in Cleveland one time and uh I think I've kind of referenced this on the uh podcast before, but I was just walking down the hallway after the game and this guy calls me over. You know, and he's very well dressed, dripping in diamonds and gold and um starts talking, you know, he recognized me and he starts talking and he, he was telling me where Dwight Howard was going to sign. Anyway, it turns out it's two chains. Oh, really? Well, I talked to two chains for 15, 20 minutes. Didn't know it was two chains. I just, I, I mean, obviously I knew it was somebody, just a fan. You thought it was just some brother. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, the thing about it is in Cleveland, the family used to be there. So I, it could have been somebody's brother. I don't know. Or somebody's uncle, but, um, and then there was like so then like little Wayne man so little Wayne was obsessed with the heat cuz he got out of like I remember this like my second third week covering the heat in 2010 it was an exhibition game in New Orleans and like 30 seconds before tip off little Wayne comes in and sits down the front row right in front of us and I go 
wasn't little Wayne in jail? And so I Googled it. He'd gotten out of jail that day. <laughs> Took some private jet and came to this game. I can't, I can't remember if it was a regular season or preseason. It was real early. And by the way, he had this bodyguard who was just like, whew. So um, little Wayne, by the way, I think the Heat players ignored him and he got pissed off and then he started rooting against him, if I remember correctly. Wow. But I don't remember. Can I, I, remember can exactly. I tell you a quick little Wayne story? Well, here's my little Wayne story. Oh, I thought that was it. My bad. <laughs> so I started seeing little Wayne quite a bit. And so this one day he walks by and I go, what's up, little Wayne? And he goes, man, call me Wheezy. <laughs> so I did. Every time I saw him, I thought I called him Wheezy. But his bodyguard, he did mess around. Don't go near him. Like if he walked past you, um, if he walked past you, you know, you could say hi to him, but you don't walk up to him. Not that I was walking up to him. And then in Houston during the playoffs a couple of years ago, I was walking down. Now, it's not like Rachel Nichols. Rachel Nichols one time we were at, after a final, during halftime of a finals game, we're just talking, and Beyonce walked up to Rachel to say hi. Really? Rachel, Rachel just left it off like it was no big deal. But <laughs> we were we were walking. I was walking. It was halftime. Wow. I was walking. Yeah, I was walking down the uh, hallway at um in the he was like the Rockets Warriors series, and I and I uh, walked past Jay Z, and I mean I've been in the same room with Jay Z dozens of times, and so I was like, "What's up, man?" He's like, "What's up?" I mean. This is what happens when you cover LeBron. You're just around all these hip hop dudes, and I like know none of their music. I mean, like Jay Z, of course I know, but like you know, yeah, because that's all they used to play at the Cavs games. You had no choice but to, to know <laughs> Jay Z music. That's right. But I, I'll say this real quick. I, you know, Stacy Pressman, from ESPN. Yes. So Stacy, um, I, I was doing this Damon Lillard thing uh, cover story. And she's like, we gotta get Lil Wayne. Stacy knows everybody. And she's like, Mark, I need you to fly down. I need you to interview Lil Wayne. And we're gonna do it at the recording studio. And I've I've dealt with some musicians in the past, and they they don't have no time frame, man. They 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 show up when they show up. So I just felt like this was gonna be like a bad deal. She told me he was gonna show up at seven. Then she told me he was going to show up at 10 at a, at a recording studio in Burbank. And I, and I flew down. And I was nervous because I was like, this is going to be bad. I get there at 10, 11 o'clock hits, 12 o'clock hits, 1 o'clock hits. I start looking at Stacy like, yo, what's the deal? <laughs> like, what is he going to show up? Next thing you know, some guy comes in. It's about 15 people. And it's just one of his protégés. And he records, and we're like half asleep while he's recording. He comes out, and he offered us cookies. And I was like, nah, he was a nice guy. And I'm like, I can't eat those cookies, man. I know those cookies are laced. <laughs> this is not, this not, wouldn't be a good decision. And so it was like 2 in the morning, and I'm like, Stacy, I'm leaving. He's not coming. And then Mac Main, who is a rapper, who's friends with is Lil Wayne's, or Weezy's manager now, he's like, don't leave, man. Don't leave, man. He's coming, man. Trust me, man. He's coming. I'm like, bro, it's 2 a.m. He's coming, man. Don't leave. You'll regret it. You'll regret it. You know what time he showed up? 6.30 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, I was so tired. 
and and just kind of hallucinating. <laughs> and he he comes in six thirty a.m. Doesn't look high. Doesn't look drunk. Look actually like he had a really nice sleep. And it was really, really spry. And and he came in. Couldn't have been nicer. He gave me this look like, my bad. And I interviewed him for about 20 minutes. And I think he thought I was going to hang out and talk for a minute. I was like, man, nice meeting you. Come on. Come <laughs> and on. I was going to the airport, man. I mean, I to, would, the, uh, to the hotel. I was so tired. Man. I'm not waiting until 6 a.m. All right, we talked about the I NBA. One, let me, I got one rap story. And this is the difference between Wendy and I, okay? Wendy gets to meet Lil Wayne, all these guys. The only time I sat down, did a one-on-one one time with Jay-Z and at 4040 in, in New York. And Is still I mean, open? Uh, I, don't, I haven't been there in years. I think yeah. I thought it was for a while. But so we're sitting there. This is when Jay-Z was first going to join ownership with the Nets. And we're sitting down in his, in his basically his lounge and we're talking and there's a guy who's over like at the at an arcade game. It was like a little arcade game in the, in this in his spot. And so I later went over and just said hello. And he started talking to me. He knew who I was. And I was I, I just introduced myself. And he goes, "Oh, uh, I, I'm Bleak." And it was Memphis Bleak. And I was like, "Oh, you know, because Memphis Bleak and Jay Z were real tight, and of course." But I don't, you know, I'm not like Wendy. I, I can't get to introduce to guys like Lil Wayne or anything. I don't like know. That, who, so. I don't know who Memphis Bleak is. <laughs> it's just a. He was a good rapper. I, you know, he was in Jay Z's crew before. Yeah. I want to say before Jay Z really, really got huge yeah. and mainstream. Well, it's looking bleak for Memphis because they're down three yeah. one in the series. <laughs> good, good um, segue. Good segue. <laughs> we talk about the NBA. Segue, actually. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hit strikeouts, Grand Salami's web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit DirecTV.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click Ranger.com or just stop by. The other thing about this tonight, and this is this is uh, potentially really really uh, important, is uh, Joel Embiid goes down, um, and when he, so he so he goes so he's kind of been clowning on the Wizards during this series. He came in averaging thirty points, shooting sixty seven percent in the series. I mean, the other night he clowned them so bad. He he got the was the second quarter. They're up big. You know, this is supposedly game three when they're going to make their stand. He pump fakes one guy, goes down the lane. Rui Hachimura is like the backline defender, and Rui just like makes a business decision, gets out of the way. And Joel goes to throw down a dunk, and I think he was so he was so surprised it was so easy, he missed it. So like two possessions later, he's like, man, that was kind of easy. So he did the exact same play. 
gets by the his defender like a pump fake. Hachimura bails out. He slams down this dunk and he starts posing and everything like that. So I will say this, at least for Robin Lopez, was on the floor in the first quarter. And by the way, Joel was on his way to another big game. He had eight rebounds and six. He had eight, eight points and six rebounds when he got hurt. So he was on his way to, you know, big game. And um, he goes up, and Robin Lopez goes up and is like, I'm not going to make a business decision. I'm going to actually try to defend you. And he blocks the shot cleanly. Great block. And when, he, when you're watching it in the game, it looks like he fell on his butt and may have, like, hurt his tailbone, which he actually probably did. But when you watch the replay, you see what actually happened was he put his leg down, like, and his knee kind of, like, buckled is the is too strong of a word, but like kind of gave when he when he went to land on it. And that's what caused him to miss the game. And that's what he's getting an MRI on on Tuesday. And Ulm, like he was playing awesome. You could you could you could make the argument. You know, John Morant has had was been awesome in the postseason, you know, putting up huge numbers, but you know, uh obviously um there's some other guys putting up big numbers. Durant is leading the postseason and scoring. Kawhi. He's Kawhi's been great and very efficient. But you could have argued that, you know, what are we a week and a half in that Joel Embiid's been the best player in the postseason? Um and you know, they, they won ten out of ten out of eleven or something coming down the stretch. They're on their way to a sweep. And now all of a sudden Joel Embiid tweaks his knee, man. It's the type of thing that can actually change the whole picture in the Eastern Conference. Um, I have been talking to people in the Sixers organization who they, they were they're not trying to be cocky, but they were being truthful, saying we feel that there's nobody in the Eastern Conference that can match up with Joel Embiid. And the way Embiid was playing against the Wizards, and listen, granted, Wizards are not very good defensively. Yes, they do have some big bodies they can throw his way: Gafford, Robin Lopez, Alex Len. But I mean. He's a matchup nightmare, and you figured he was going to only get stronger and stronger. I'm not saying this is the type of thing that can change the first-round series with the Wizards, but I do think this can totally change the complexion of the rest of the Eastern Conference if Joel Embiid does not come back healthy from this. And that's it. the bad thing about these playoffs is as good as some of the offense has been from some of these guys, there are significant injuries that are, have changed the complexion of a lot of these series you need to look, look no further than the Clippers and the Mavericks um, as one of them. But I, if Embiid is hurt, I mean, I'm I, I starting to really believe what some of these Sixers people were telling me, that there was really nobody that could match up with Joel Embiid, and that would be the one advantage that they would have. And not only the Eastern Conference, but if they got to the NBA Finals, perhaps whoever they might face in the West. Yeah, sadly for Embiid, his biggest foe has always been injuries. I mean, he, he, and he, he falls down a lot. He just, yeah. he's always falling down. Like he's, he, he's, he's so spectacular in, in terms of him being skilled. I, I remember um, Bill Self might be mad at me for saying this, but um, when he came, when MB came out, who was in this draft? It was Wiggins and somebody else. Was it the guy that went to UNLV? Uh, uh, Canadian? No, no, not Anthony Bennett. No, Embiid was picked third. I can't remember. I'll I'll look it up while you're telling the story. Well, it helps to know who was number one. <laughs> <laughs> two, um, 
basically what he said. He said, with all due respect to the guys. It was it was Wiggins and Jabari Parker. Yeah. Right. He said, with all due respect to both, he is better than Wiggins and Jabari, and Jabari Parker combined. That is and, an accurate and, statement. Yeah. Well, and, and, I don't but know he, about he, combined, but yeah, probably combined. He And he, you know, he said this. He said not to disrespect them both. And this was after the draft. He said that's just how good Joe MB is. And he's been right. But it's just it's it's an injury after injury after injury after injury after injury. And you know, I, I still think that maybe maybe this one saving grace for the Sixers is that they can beat the Wizards without them. And perhaps they could beat Atlanta without him. You know, assuming or or the Knicks, if the Knicks miraculously come back, so I, I do think there is a potential. If it's if it's not a debilitating injury, I do think they have the potential with the the blessing of having the number one seed to to win some games without him that allows him to get some rest. Well, yeah, I mean, the they can definitely afford to be a little cautious. I mean, yeah, he did play; like, he got back up and played. Yeah. For another four minutes. But I, hey, look, you know, I know Doc as well as anyone. Doc is super on erring on the side of caution. And if if he, he feels like it takes a week and they can win without him, he'll 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 sit him. Well, Doc ain't going to rush him out there if he doesn't feel like it would have been helpful if they were getting got to get this close out tonight because yeah. it would have got a couple extra days. Um, yeah. Uh, the other thing is, um, you know, they, the wizards went to hack a Ben tonight and it, it didn't like work spectacularly. He went four of eight on hack a Ben's, but you know, he was, he was Oh, for nine in the series coming in from the foul line and he went five of 10 in the game. Um, but when you don't have him beat out there, it's like like it's amazing. I mean, obviously he's a top, he's he's a top three MVP player, but it's it's not just that he's so good, but he's so vital for everything that they do. He gets them easy baskets offensively, and he's their most important defensive player. I don't know if he's their best defensive player, but he's their most important defensive player. He goes out of the game all of a sudden. Robin Lopez and Daniel Gafford are in there scoring, and um, so it, it's. It's it's pretty, you know, the, the level of that injury is going to be really important. I would probably one of the most important things will happen in the NBA on Tuesday is what that MRI shows. Um, uh, nobody wanted to talk about it after the game, by the way. Um, first off, Philly didn't even announce what the injury was for a good 45 minutes, which was weird. And then after the game, like nobody wanted to assume anything, but in listening to the players – Simmons and Danny Green and Tobias Harris. It sounded like, you know, part of it is they're, they're used to Joel getting dinged up every now and then, but it sounded like they thought that this might not be something that he would just immediately come back from. So uh, that's it. That's another thing that happened tonight, and and uh, we'll see. By the way, Doc was Doc has been defending Ben Simmons all year long. You know, running a campaign for Player of the Year, and you know, defending his playmaking and everything. Not that Ben Simmons needs help, but. Um, Doc, Doc basically said anybody who thought that he should take him out of the game 
because he was getting fouled like that. He basically said, you don't know basketball. <laughs> so uh, he had just basically said, that's exactly what he said. So an eventful night in Washington tonight. And, um, and uh, the wizards extend the series, um, even though Beal and uh, Westbrook didn't play that well, which has got to be disappointing for Philly. Um, so Ohm, the Clippers, one of the, one of the teams that you beat, uh, you're on your beat. Um, they, uh, they've had one of the most confounding two year stretches I can remember. And it, the beat keeps on going. They uh, they are two two in that series, and Luca is banged up. Uh, although he, they get an extra day off, uh, they get a forty eight hour uh, layoff before Game Five, which is on Wednesday. Um, I said that the the Clippers right now are like the kid who is getting straight C's, and then he takes a, he studies real hard for a test and gets an A. And so you're really happy that he got an A, but you're like, yeah, but now I now it's inexcusable that you keep getting C's, yeah. um, because you've set the, you've showed us that you can have an A. So, on what's it going to be? Are we going to get more A's? Or are we going to get C's? I, I think they found their groove. I, I think when when I was with you and B Marks last week, and you had asked me, hey, are they going to just stop fooling around? Or are they going to come play? And I said, uh, listen, I think they have, haven't played good basketball. For over a month. I think what's happened here is that they had to use the first two games of the series to kind of find their their rhythm offensively. And I think you saw that when, when Kawhi had the 41-point explosion, Paul George played well. They just couldn't get enough defensive stops. And they finally got that in game three, albeit they <laughs> you know, they had to open up 30 to 11. Uh, and they, they were trailing 30-11 that first quarter where it looked like they were heading straight toward the offseason. I mean, I actually had an assistant coach call me from the Eastern Conference in the first opening minutes of that game three, just being like, what are the Clippers doing? Why Why do they keep switching onto Doncic? Why is Zubat still in the game? But I think what Ty Lue found is that once he got Zubats out and went small with Nick Batum, that was kind of a, a series changer. Yes, they've also benefited from Luka Doncic um, not, you know, getting beat up and getting hurt. But I think Ty Lue actually said, and I, and I think people clowned him for this, the first thing he said was he wasn't concerned. And number two, he was, let's see if these guys can keep this shooting up at home, all the pressures on them to actually win these games at home. And he was but right. That was a, that, he was right, but that's a lunatic, that's a lunatic thing to say. <laughs> he was right, though. And listen, and I think he was instilling, he was trying to instill confidence in this team. Yeah, well, and they, haven't, they didn't panic. They were down thirty to eleven. I think all of us, everybody else watching them, was like, did I, "Oh my did, god, this is did crazy." Did I see that? Did I see that stat correctly? That the that the Mavericks were twenty eight or twenty nine and zero when they led after the first quarter this year. I, I know that they were like that. really good after they led the first quarter. I don't remember twenty nine. Which is a which is a strange stat because you know in the NBA, I mean, you know, obviously you don't want to get down by twenty, but you know, first quarter, you know, it, it doesn't always define the game. So, so they know that, right? Like they, like they, this is the thing about the Clippers. They know that not only are their backs against the wall, that they can't come, go down three, nothing or they're, or they're done. Um, they know that Dallas is a great first quarter team. And that in fact, when they get off to good starts, they typically win. They know all that. Yeah. And yet they walk in there and they get down 30 to 11. 
And they were absolutely blitzed. But the other thing too was, and I think the situ, the moment was probably a little overwhelming for them because this is the first time they went into arena where that place was packed. There was like 18,000 fans or whatever. Tyler yeah. even said it was like electric in there. And so that that moment, I, I got to give the Clippers a lot of but credit. By Ty, but by Ty Lue's uh, rationale, that uh, that applies pressure to the Mavericks because, you know, nobody It would have been to- real easy for them to fold up right then and there. Given what had happened last year in the bubble, they had lost five straight playoff games. It would have been real. I mean, it was the assumption that they were going to fold at that point. But, you know, to Paul George's credit, to Kawhi Leonard's credit, they kept fighting, and they were right back in the game by the end of the third, uh, end of the first quarter. Was... Spears, are they going to have A's or C's? Luca, this, this is the hardest team to figure out, man. I mean, I I, I tell people uh, since since last season, I, I tell them the most mysterious game I ever went to was in the bubble when the Clippers lost to the Nuggets in that game seven. Uh, I'm, I'm just still confused by it. I don't know what happened there. You know, guys were suddenly tired. Guys were asking out of the game. Guys were missing, like, superstars and missing layups. It, it was almost like – They I'm weren't like, just missing layups. They were missing the whole basket. Yeah, it was like, are they point shaving? Like, what it, like, what is going on? I, I think they were I think they were cooked already going into game seven. And I'm not talking about just physical. Man, you got to have some heart, man. That, that, I, I I'm think they were done. Pass on that one. That, I think that's, they were that done. Was, that was embarrassing. That was embarrassing for them, their franchise, for their careers. Those like, guys clearly showed they did not want to be in the bubble. You know, yeah. I mean, when that whole the, when that whole thing, like, when, even their, you know, who had the biggest heart was their was their family. Like, if you could hear them cheering, you know if if you know what their family had to do to get in there, like they had to quarantine for like five days or a week or something like that. Yeah, and then they were cheering their tails off mm-hmm. for them. But remember, it's like, prior at to least that, like have some heart for them. Pr- like, prior like, to that, like they, they were ready to there, leave. Went into quarantine so they could cheer your butt on, and they just I, so it's hard for me. As much as I love PG and T. Lou and Chauncey and all them, it's hard for me to like. And you know, Rondo's there, so that helps their fight. But I. I I, I, on paper, I want to buy them every game, but they just make me nervous, man. I wonder just, what the you know. I, I don't follow the betting markets, but I'm interested in them. You know the lot. I wonder when they were down thirty to eleven. I wonder what the live betting market was. <laughs> you know, down o two and down thirty to eleven. Vegas is undefeated. Well, well. I think I think uh, the thing that that is going to help them. Because, yes, we are talking about a team that is absolutely schizophrenic. You cannot predict what's going to happen with the Clippers. Although I did tell you, Wendy, wouldn't it be the most Clipper thing ever for them to win these next two games in Dallas, but then kind of you know have trouble and lose game five at home or something like that, or lose a game seven at home. But what's going to help them is that Dallas doesn't play any defense, not a lick, and Luka doesn't look like himself. And I think my, well, one of my boys always says, he has a saying, Water, water always finds its level. And he likes to say that about role players who are playing out of their mind, which was like Dallas. Tim Hardaway Jr. was playing out of his mind the first two games. Dorian Finney-Smith, all these guys were hitting at a 50% rate on three-pointers. 
and then they went home. And normally role players always play better at home as opposed to on the road. In this case, though, for some reason, maybe Ty Lue knew what he was talking about. They did not play well back at home no, at all. No. So the first three games, which I know the Clippers won game three, but the first three games, the Mavericks shot 55 of 109 on threes. I know that that's difficult math, but it's over 50% slightly. Um, and then the game four where they went small and they could switch a little bit easier. And also Luca couldn't lift up his arm and, you know, Car- Rick Carlisle said he couldn't even really like look to his left, which I think for, a, this is my hot take. I think for a point guard, you should be, you need to be able to look to your left. Yes. It's important to be able to see to all sides. All of a sudden his Cisco way down and they went five of 30. So I think water did kind of find their level a little bit there. Vivid Seats wants you to get to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seat Rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP, H-O-O-P. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. The, you know, Lucas health is everything. And another thing, health being everything, you know, this, this Suns Lakers series is, is completely defined by health. Chris Paul's health. Anthony Davis's health. What a difference a game makes, right? Man, we so so when we we did the podcast on Friday, the Lakers or whatever we did, the Lakers were up two one. Looked like they were in pretty good shape. Um, you know, we were talking about you know, hey, the the West is setting up okay for the Lakers. The you know the you know you know you know Denver and Portland are an interesting series, but neither of them look like world beaters and, you know, the jazz look vulnerable. That was just a couple of days ago. Now it's like, by the time we do our next podcast, which we're going to tape Thursday night, um, Lakers could be eliminated. Um, and that's like, <laughs> that's, I mean, that just shows you how fragile this is. And it comes down to injuries. And here's the thing about Anthony Davis, you know, yes, he is on the injury list because of his sore groin or, you know, a groin injury, but he also sprained his left knee on that same side. They got to worry about his knee too. And so like, even if the Lakers are able to, to cut their way through this, because they're due to they're they are due to make some outside shots. They're outside hey, hey, Brian, shooting. Brian. Can 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 does LeBron still have it in him to get them past this without AD? He has it in him, but he's got to be top of his game. And I don't know if he can do it with that ankle, not hundred percent. I mean, they don't, look, yeah. not having KCP last game hurt them too because they, they just don't have a margin for error when Anthony Davis is out or LeBron is not 100%. 
I mean, that team is so built around them. I'll be the first to admit that I thought I was wrong about, like, I thought that Montrez Harrell would be a, a better fit there from the standpoint that I thought LeBron and, and Dennis Schroeder would be able to create enough for Montrez Harrell in the same way that that pick and roll worked for him and Lou Williams, and it has not. I mean, they, they won't even put him in unless they absolutely have to which is a little bit mind-boggling because at least from an energy standpoint, I don't care what he – defensively, if he's if he's a weak point, fine. I get that. You know what I mean? Uh, we saw that Nikola Jokic abused him in the playoffs last year, but but Trez is going through a lot with his grandmother passing away. But this year, at least like with this roster that you have and when guys are hurt like Anthony Davis is out, at least put him in there to try and get, get some energy, get some rebounds, get some putbacks, anything that can help you guys. Um. I know everything was happening with him in the bubble last year, but when the Lakers signed him, they knew that the Clippers weren't able to play him in the playoffs. Right. Essentially, he was he was sixth man of the year, and he was like not even their first big off the bench in the playoffs. And the playoffs are long. I just said four days ago, Lakers looked like everything was golden. Six days from now, Montrez Harrell could be coming off two twenty ten games, but last year's playoffs. Scared the hell out of the Clippers. Scared yep. them enough to where they were like, we're not paying this guy. And, you know, I'll tell you what, Spears. <laughs> Frank Vogel, who's a veteran coach, he is, you know, I talk about it, and then this is a classic game, game five, where it's 2-2. You, in the playoffs, you play eight and trust seven. And mm. that circle of trust has gotten small. Taylor Horton Tucker has been out of the rotation. He hasn't played Wesley Matthews much. Montrez Harrell's been out of the rotation. He got a little cup of coffee a little bit at the end of game four. But um, Frank Vogel's tightened in that circle, right? There's only so many players he trusts. And two of them are hurt. KCP and AD AD are hurt. So he's going to have to expand the circle of trust a little bit in these next couple games. And he's going to need one of those guys, whether it's Wesley Matthews or Montrez or or Taylor Horton Tucker, he's going to need one of those guys to step up because LeBron can do it, but LeBron's going to need some help from somebody. Well, I actually talked to an advanced scout, a long time advanced scout, um, you know, after the, the, the Lakers uh, snuck by the Warriors. And he said the biggest problem that they had entering the postseason was they should have brought Rondo back. And they missed Dwight Howard more than you would think. Mm-hmm. And he said the third thing was they're not – they don't know how to use Harrell correctly, which, you know, I thought was really interesting. But one one guy I'm going to keep an eye on is Kyle Kuzma, man, because he always seems – I think did – did they say who they're going to start if AD they, doesn't play? They haven't, but I think Dave – Dave tried asking, I think, Vogel today or something like that, and I think Vogel was like, I'm not going to let you know everything I'm doing or something like that. Well, it was interesting. Markeith Morris tweeted opportunity. Yeah. I don't know if that just means like rotational minutes or if that means he's going to start. I don't know. Yeah. But it seems like Kuzma is the one guy I've seen that seems to really get a boost from starting. Like for some reason, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, Seemed like starting brings out the best in him for some reason. And if I'm Vogel, I, I, I go in that direction. Obviously, Morris's minutes go up, but but they they need somebody to be able to score 
at a at a high clip, you know, alongside LeBron to survive the Suns. And to me, Kuzma seems to be the best answer. He's the next person I think of. I would tell you something. I'm not saying he's been the best player in the series, but DeAndre Ayton has just had three. Oh, my goodness. I guess you could say all four. He's had four of the best games of his NBA career in the last week. And, you know, they're making it easy for him. They're, um, you know, they're setting him up. They're taking it. They're, they're doing some great interior pass. And they're basically handing him the ball on the doorstep and saying, dunk it and get, you know, rebound loose ball. But he's killing him. He's killing him. I mean, like, it's not like he's averaging, you know, 30 and 15, but he's, he's shooting like, like eight out of nine, you know, 10 out of 13 every game. And he's rebounding. It, yeah, it, I mean, oh, he's, you know, it's, it's funny. I, I think when we did our preseason predictions, I picked DeAndre Ayton, I think, as my most improved player because I thought I just envisioned Chris Paul driving and dishing to him and mm-hmm. alley-ooping to him and DeAndre Ayton just eating all day long. And it didn't really happen as much as I would have liked to see, but now it's happening in the playoffs. Not necessarily even from Chris Paul, uh, but he's just – doing it at such a high level. This was like this was the reason why I thought he'd be most improved player. I didn't expect him to do it though against the Lakers defense in the playoffs. He's going to get a he's going to get a I don't know if he's going to get a max, but he's going to get a max or close to it. Yeah. He's he's up for a contract. Um, no, I, I, I'm happy for this kid, man. I went to the Bahamas with him. I read that story. It was a good yeah, story. Thank you. And um got to spend some time with him behind the scenes and you know he he certainly, admittedly, to he he tell you that he had a lot of growing up to do, and was a big disappointment to the Suns for the games he missed last year. Which, if that doesn't happen, they probably get to the playoffs a year earlier. But he was certainly the X factor this season. Like we know what CP can do, we knew what Book could do, but if he plays well, they're they're scary, they're special, and um. I, I I just been impressed with his growth and the fact that, you know, he he shows you why size matters. And now he is one of those young guys, um, like Trey, you know, obviously we know what Luca is, but like Ja, and unfortunately Zion's not in the playoffs, but that show you, yeah, man, there there's some young talent in this yeah, league. Yeah, I that mean it's Chai's- is gonna be great. Jaws had a gr- – I mean, they're down 3-1, and you know they just don't have quite enough. But he's had a great first playoffs. Trey's had a great first playoff series, I should say. Aiden's had a good first playoff series. Not that they're the same, but you're right, Spears. The young guys are acquitting themselves well. You don't expect guys to play this well in their first playoffs, and, and they are. And um it, 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 it's fascinating that everything that's happened with Chris Paul in his career, you know, several playoffs ruined by injuries, and now potentially, you know, he then he get then he gets in another injury, and you're like, oh man, the Suns are going to go down because he's got this injury. Well, now all of a sudden he's getting stronger, and it's the Lakers who are banged up. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy, but I mean, if they get past this series. Man, it's like a one of the biggest moments of the last fifteen years for the Suns. Yeah. So, um, 
big games for the LA teams the next year. We, we talk about the LA teams all the time, but you can't help it. They're they're uh, you know I I have no idea what the sec you know forget about the conference finals, forget about the finals. I have no idea what the second <laughs> round of the West playoffs is going to look like. Well, we know we know Utah will be there. Yeah, UK that's Utah, about it, and that's uh, about it. But we didn't. I mean, we always knew that, but there was. Even they, they haven't had a, they haven't had a, a, a you know, a merry-go-round. No, has been respectful. Yeah, and they, they haven't know, got, they, they haven't got Donovan beat thing. up once. Yeah. Um. All right, but guys. If, but if, but if, if Spider plays in the first game, maybe it's over. Well, it, I'll tell you one thing. This is a huge moment. This is a huge night tonight for Memphis. Uh, you know, Jai played at such a high level. He he played great. I think he had twenty and ten tonight in assists, but he didn't quite play the, the same level he had the first few games. But had Memphis he scratched this out and was two two going back to Utah, that game one loss was going to loom really really large. But they've gone into Memphis and taken two games, and that's just not something that happens a lot. So, um, all right. Well, thanks guys. Thanks for staying up late, Tony, our producer. It's uh, getting near 2 a.m. on the East Coast right now. So he stayed at a plate to turn this around for all of you guys. Um, when we talk on Thursday night, at least, we'll record Thursday night. Am I going to be in a, in a sad Los Angeles? Or am I going to be in a jubilant Los Angeles? We're going to find out. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>